The views, opinions, and comments expressed by hosts, guests, and callers of this show are not necessarily those of this station, its parent company, TeleSouth Media, its staff, management, or advertisers. Content of this broadcast cannot be duplicated or used in any way without the express written consent of TeleSouth Media Incorporated. Now, join us for Advisors Roundtable with your hosts, Certified Financial Planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus. It's professional advice for your life. Welcome to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified Financial Planners, Cooley and Labus with you here on Super Talk. Thanks a lot for joining in and for supporting the show, especially to our sponsors. So, Bubba, you get to the end of the year or close to the end of the year and, yeah... There's a lot of stuff to do in the last couple months of the year. You know, I, I have people ask me sometimes, they say, uh, you know, when is your busy time of the year? And I'm like, well, it, you know, it usually starts around January the 1st and ends around <laughs> December 31st. Yeah, that's I, about true. So, yeah, I mean, there are times of the year when things seem to be uh, a little bit more active, more reporting that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those fall uh, sometimes around um, uh, the time of year that taxes are due. Yeah. So, you know, beginning of the year, starting around February 15th or so, people are getting geared up, ready to do their taxes. Yeah. You've got other times of the year around October 14th when uh, people are trying to finish up their taxes uh, and they need a lot of information that sort of thing mm-hmm. uh, you've got corporate reporting that has to be done uh, upon certain deadlines and dates no doubt. I think uh, there's another one due I think November 15th for <laughs> uh, you know nonprofits mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. Uh, endowments that sort of thing yeah but that's that's all tax related right mm-hmm. which is never fun to talk about but then you talk about the other times of year when you're you're busy doing things and um, I think that right towards the end of the school year, typically, mm-hmm. uh, is usually a pretty good time to see a lot of folks, you mm-hmm. know, uh, getting their, their seniors ready to go to college and, and that sort of thing. And they've got questions about how to do that, mm-hmm. uh, what they need to have in place. Um, maybe they've got um, uh, a back-to-school time, you know, that uh, seems to be a little bit more active with with flusters of activity, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But I agree with you. I mean, it seems like all year long, we're busy doing things for people and clients. We are. And just the general American public, you know, uh, there's really Mm -hmm. no break from it. Right. And that's really the point I want to make. There's there's no break from it. You're going to get your year started, and you're going to get into taxes, and then you're going to have vacation, and the kids back to school, and then the ball seasons, and mm-hmm. then the end of the year. I'm just telling you, enjoy downtime when you can get it, mm-hmm. and enjoy vacation time when you can get it. Right. Because you even get close to the end of the year, you know, you've been rolling along pretty mm-hmm. good, and you. You think, you know, I've done pretty well. I've had all these various times and flurries of activity, mm-hmm. but I've done well. Then you get to the end of the year and you're like, oh, Lord, there's end of the year stuff for me right. to be thinking about. Yeah. Uh, did I give everything mm-hmm. I pledged I was going to give to my church and charity? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe I ought to check on that. Did I put everything I said I was going to put in my Roth IRA? Well, maybe I ought to check on that. Mm-hmm. Did I get to my will this year? Right. Am I prepared for what my taxes are going to look like next year. 
And, you know, many times people automatically think in the investment world that, you know, maybe the uh, years like 2021, stock market went up and I probably made a lot of money last year. So I'm probably going to owe some. Most and, people don't think that. You know? Yeah. If And then you get into a year like this. Mm-hmm. And the market has not been really that cooperative for most people. And so it may be down or sideways in your mm-hmm. accounts. And you're thinking, I didn't make any money. I'm not going to have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. But maybe you will. And so I, I'm just telling you, uh, realize the flurries are coming and they're not going to ever stop. Mm-hmm. And when you get downtime, enjoy it. Right. You know, uh, take a little time off. Because as soon as you come back, there's going to be another deadline facing you. I, I, I recently had some downtime, uh, and it was on a Monday, and it just kind of worked out that way. It was, it was nice weather outside, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it was so nice just to be able to get away from the office. Now, granted, I still had a couple of calls that day and things that I had to deal with. Sure, it sure. seems like you can't get away from it uh, mm-hmm. completely all the time. Mm-hmm. But I had a really good day on the bush hog mm-hmm. and uh, disking up fields and tearing out beaver dams. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, that sounds like work to some people. It does. It, it but, and it, it was work. Yeah, but it was rejuvenating mm-hmm. to you, right? Sure. You, know, you enjoyed it. It, it, mm-hmm. it was different uh, out in the fresh air. Uh, other people, you know, they just rather hole up in their bed under the covers and you know watch Netflix. Right. Uh, I don't know if I could imagine anything more miserable. <laughs> but. Everybody has their thing, mm-hmm. as, as my uncle used to say. And whatever your thing is, uh, you know, every once in a while, you, you, you need to do it. So um, today I want to talk a little bit about the, the, the flurries that come at the end of the year and you being prepared for it and not being surprised by it. Mm-hmm. Um, because... Um, you know, yeah, we all know these these flurries are coming, and we all need mm-hmm. to be prepared for them. But um, you know, no need for them to be any more stressful than they should. Sure, right? Have you ever had anybody call you and say, "Bubba, why did I get this report?" As you mentioned mm-hmm. a, a minute ago, people don't think about the money that they made and right. the profit that they probably realized in certain accounts, and so therefore they may owe taxes unless it happens to them and now they're aware of it. Mm-hmm. But the first time or two it happens to you, it's pretty surprising, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yeah. So you have them call up surprised? Very, in some instances. Uh, you have them call up angry. doesn't necessarily matter how many times you tell them and, and forewarn them of things <laughs> coming, right? They're still surprised. Yeah. 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 Or they, they get the tax bill. They go see mm-hmm. their CPA and the CPA says, you know, you owe mm-hmm. a couple thousand dollars in taxes. Yeah. And they call you up and you said, oh, yeah, you know, I've done this enough. I, 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 mm-hmm. I knew that was happening. I'm holding some cash over yeah. to the side for you. Mm-hmm. That, well, one of my favorites uh, when they call up, it says, uh, they say, you know, I, I got my taxes done. And my CPA says that you caused me to have an extra $4,000 in tax that mm-hmm. I owe, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's all my fault, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. And, oh, by the way, you made 20000 Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> But, yeah. but you caused yeah. me to owe four thousand. Yeah. I want the twenty, Bubba. It's a, it's an interesting dynamic, I think, and and I, I'm going to overgeneralize here. I don't think all CPAs this way, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, CPAs think this way. But 
it's it's the the end result and end goal for a financial planner is to make sure that you've got all aspects of your financial life covered. Mm-hmm. Whether it be your estate plan, your tax plan, your investment plan, college education, retirement plan, all that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and to a degree, I think that uh, that CPAs and accountants think that their number one job is to save you tax. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it makes a lot of sense for you to pay a little tax. Maybe we'll get into that in the next segment. We sure will. It's a good way to tease people mm-hmm. into the next segment on the Advisors Roundtable from Supertop. They're with us at the Advisors Roundtable, Certified Financial Planners Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you here on Supertalks. But we're talking about, you know, being surprised by sometimes uh, the reporting that comes to you and and how that, uh, you know, maybe somebody made a little money. So let me ask you this question. We've always on this show referred to our executive producer, Phil Womack, as Daddy Warbucks, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So let's assume that the people out there uh, on the other side of the airwaves, uh, listening to Greg and Bubba on the Advisors Roundtable and listening to us refer to Daddy Warbucks, let's say that they have this mental image of him being some rich dude. Mm-hmm. Do you think Rich... And in my mind, I kind of picture, uh, you know, the guy off that uh, show, Little Orphan Annie. <laughs> there you, you go. You know, uh, bald-headed guy wearing a tuxedo, big cigar hanging out of his mouth. Yeah, 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 uh-huh. yeah, yeah. With 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 a driver and, yeah. a, and, mm-hmm. a, and a butler right. and all that sort of yeah. stuff, right? All right, so let's say that people have that mental image of Phil Womack, mm-hmm. right? Do they, in their mental image, do they think he pays taxes? Big old rich man. Mm, no. You don't think they think he pays well, taxes? I think it depends on who you're talking to. Okay, so who doesn't think that the Daddy Warbucks pays taxes? Well, probably the people like me who say, well, you know, he's probably like old Ross Perot and has all his money in uh, municipal bonds, <laughs> you know. that Or holds it offshore. Holds it offshore. Or something yeah, like that, yeah, right? Yeah, uh-huh. right? But practically speaking. Practically, I think you would think, yeah, they probably owe taxes. Rich people pay taxes, mm-hmm. right? People who make money. Pay tax. Yeah. Most of us. And and I think proportionately, the people who have money and make a lot of money pay a larger share of the, of the taxes. And most of us go to work mm-hmm. hoping next year to get a raise. Right. And you think, think you know, hey, I, I'm making 50 grand. Mm-hmm. I hope one of these days to make 60 grand. And on that extra $10,000, I'm going to have to pay 1500 to 3000 of it in taxes. Right. Most people are practical enough and have done this adulting thing long enough to right. agree with that. Mm-hmm. Right? People who make money pay taxes. Unless you are an investor mm-hmm. who you know not really aware of how the world works. And Bubba Labus makes me twenty thousand dollars in nineteen uh, or twenty twenty one last year. I made $20,000 in my $100,000 account. And I, they have the audacity to send me a tax bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that the attitude that some people seem to have? Uh, to a large degree, yes. And, and I would say it, it probably revolves and reflects around this. Okay. From an income standpoint, if you're out working, you, you've got your labor that you're putting forth and you're being compensated for that, right? Hope so. And, uh, because of that, you kind of understand and get it that you're going to pay tax on it. 
Yeah, and most of the time I probably see it about every week in my paycheck. Right. So in the investment world, I would say that that is phantom income. Uh Uh-huh. Or, you know, a phantom is like a ghost, right? Something that you don't really see. Uh-huh. So what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. It's in this account. It's doing well, performing well. You buy some things. You sell some things. Mm-hmm. At the end of the year, you've got $20,000 in gain. Uh-huh. But you didn't really realize it. So you're saying that the number that's in my investment account mm-hmm. for some of us is different in my perception, than the number that's in my checking account. That's correct. The number that's in my checking account is real. Things dollars. that I worked for, right? Uh-huh. The 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 number in your investment account is not necessarily. I mean, it, it represents the things that you worked for and the savings and investments that you've done. But people don't view it that way. Okay. Okay. And so they don't feel like they realized mm-hmm. that. That was yep. the word you used, mm-hmm. right? But if they made twenty thousand bucks. In a year that the market was up and pretty good, then... Uh, I would say for working people, uh, they view it that way. Okay. Okay? So for non-working people or retired individuals, uh-huh. right? Like, uh-huh. I would say Daddy Warbucks, but he's still working because yeah. he loves it. Yes, you know? right, right. He can't go home. But say that he were retired, <laughs> right, right? right? And he were taking income from his investments. Then right. that's something that you realize and you see that sort of thing. So you feel a little bit better about paying tax on that. Okay. All right. So if it's still in the account, mm-hmm. it's kind of this phantom thing. And it's a number, I'm mm-hmm. glad it's up, but it really doesn't make that much difference to me until mm-hmm. Bubba and Charles Schwab, TD, Ameritrade, Fidelity, whatever, sends me mm-hmm. a notice that I owe tax. Right. Right? Now, I want to talk practically where some of this tax at the end of the year comes from. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about how mutual funds work. Would you okay. say that the majority of the people who have investments in the investment world. They have, they have 401ks. Mm-hmm. They have in, in, uh, savings. They got, they got things that grandma passed down to. Would you say that a lot of people ha- on mutual funds? I would say that uh, probably 80% of the investors out there, probably even higher, own mutual funds. All right. So let's just for a moment, one minute description, explanation. Mm -hmm. What is a mutual fund? A mutual fund is an investment company. Okay. And it has a manager or a team of managers who manage the dollars that go into this fund. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Daddy Warbucks over here decides, hey, you know what? There's XYZ fund, and I think that they've got a a high growth mandate, Mm -hmm. and they're buying big blue chip American companies. Mm -hmm. And I resonate with that, and I want to buy some of that fund because the managers and team of managers have done well over the years in that fund. Okay. So he sends them $100,000. He sends them $100,000, and they give him a a number of shares for whatever that thing priced at. So let's make the math easy and say that thing's selling at $10 a share. Mm -hmm. And he sends them a hundred thousand right. dollars. All right. So he's got his shares now, and he's he's he he's owns got ten thousand shares. Ten thousand, and he owns those shares outright. Okay. And they have a, a price on them that at ten dollars a share, right? Mm-hmm. And he hopes that uh, within a couple of years or a couple of days that that goes from ten dollars a share to say eleven dollars a share. Because inside this investment mm-hmm. company, inside this mutual fund. The manager has bought a bunch of different right. things. And what's represented inside that fund? That's a good question. 
Well, it could be Caterpillar, it could be Walmart, it could be uh, Nike, it could be Procter & Gamble, it could be a number of different things, okay. right? all right. So a, a number of different stocks associated with that particular, and there are bond funds, there are different types of funds out there. I'm just picking on this And this one you category. say it's a growth, of uh, Ameri- mm-hmm. uh, domestic growth fund. Right. Right? Right. Okay. So he's decided, mm-hmm. that, hey, it, that resonates with me. I like that. Mm-hmm. I want some of that. I, I bought that. And I bought it at $10 mm-hmm. a share. And inside this basket, inside this investment, I got a bunch, of, maybe up to 200 mm-hmm. 300, 400, 500 right. different stocks in mm-hmm. there. And I did that with one trade. Yep. Okay. And he bought it in November of last year. Oh, now okay. we're getting technical. So I'm getting a little technical here, but I did. Uh-huh. Hang in to, there with us, people, because math is involved in this, but Bubba and I'll hold your hand. Yeah. All right. So he bought it in November of last year. Paid $10 a share and yeah. sent him 100 grand. Yeah. Uh-huh. But during the year, this account and and mutual fund has performed really well, right? Even before he bought Even it. Even before he bought it. Uh-huh. So <laughs> these stocks uh, in this particular fund have paid dividends. Uh-huh. I've said all along the reason for owning investments is because of the income, either now or later, that you're going to get from them, okay. right? Right. And along the way, they've made some purchases and some sales in, within that fund. So there may be some capital gains associated with that fund as well. So we look inside this fund, mm-hmm. this basket of stocks, and let's pick on one. Yeah. Let's say that it's Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. And earlier on, he bought some Coca-Cola, and now it's up because mm-hmm. last year was a really good year in the right. market. Mm-hmm. And all that happened before Daddy Warbucks sent him the 100 grand. That's right. That's right. But when does the mutual fund declare their dividends and capital gains? Mm-hmm. Usually at the end of the year. Okay. So even though he bought it in November for $100,000, right. and he didn't necessarily uh, receive any of those capital gains or distributions, mm-hmm. theoretically in the time frame that he bought it, mm-hmm. because he's an owner of that and a share owner of that particular fund, mm-hmm. he's going to get a certain percentage of those capital gains distributed either to him or reinvested mm-hmm. and the dividends distributed to him and reinvested. So he's going to get a report. Mm-hmm. Even if the, the, the share price doesn't move from $10 right. to December the 31st. Mm-hmm. So it, let's say he owns it 45 days yeah, and it's still $10. Mm-hmm. And he thinks, you know, I put 100000 in, I got 10,000 mm-hmm. shares at $10. I don't know anything. Right. It hasn't made any money. Mm-hmm. You're telling me he's going to get a report that says he owes something. Well, and, and, and I, I wouldn't say that he hasn't made or earned anything okay. because the distributions that are going to come out will be paid to him. Oh, okay. Right. He might get extra shares. Or he something. might get extra shares, reinvest shares. He might take it as cash, but it, you know, it... Generally, mm-hmm. in many, many cases, I think those shares are reinvested. So again, it gets back to that phantom income <laughs> concept that I talked about earlier. Uh-huh. So these dividends come in, the capital gains come in, it gets uh-huh. reinvested. He never gets his hands on the money, right? Right, right. And now instead of having, uh, what do we say, 10,000 shares uh-huh. that he owns, uh-huh. he probably rebought and he has 10,800 shares or 10,200 shares, whatever the number equates to be, right? Right. Um, it's so more he, shares. He's got more shares. And multiply it times $10. So on his statement, he his might His value have a, has gone up. Okay, so right. ha, he might have on his statement more than mm-hmm. $100,000. Right. But his grubby little fingers haven't gotten on that. That's right. 
uh-huh. and he owes tax on that. Aye, aye, aye. Well, we're going to yep. go to break and continue to describe how this works because I want you to be aware from the Advisors Roundtable on Supertalk. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Thanks a lot for hanging in there with us. And we're talking uh, some kind of uh, technical things related to mutual funds. So mutual funds is an investment company. It's a basket of stocks or bonds or a mixture thereof. And um, you can buy them and they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're priced daily and they have a price per share. And inside them, they got a bunch of different investments, right? Right. Okay. And so then you, uh, you know, buy your shares. Mm-hmm. And uh, because you're a part owner, you're uh, entitled right. to get part of the benefits, right. which would be capital gains yeah. and dividend dividends. distributions. All right. And so they come in mm-hmm. and uh, do you make your decision on the front end about what you want to have happen with capital gains and dividends? Do you say, hey, I want them sent to me or I want them reinvested? You do make that decision. Okay. And that's a decision that is not irrevocable, meaning that you can change that decision as time goes by. Okay. So for many people who are in the accumulation phase, trying to build wealth, that sort of thing, they will reinvest their dividends and capital gains. Okay. For individuals who may be in retirement and need the income, they'll say, you know what, rather than reinvest those, I'd like to receive those in cash so that I can live off of them. Yeah. And nothing wrong with either either scenario. It's based on personal what, preference. Your, uh, yeah, yeah, your situation, mm-hmm. your goals, your needs, your age, all those mm-hmm. things are taken in consideration, yes. But Daddy Warbucks, in this case, mm-hmm. decided, hey, you know what? I don't really need the dividends because I, I got, you know, I'm, I'm like Scrooge McDuck. I'm uh, swimming around in it. That's right. You uh, know? Mega rich. And yeah. he bought this $100,000 worth of this mutual fund back in November, mm-hmm. and it paid dividends. Mm-hmm. It paid uh, capital gains sometime in December. Mm-hmm. And sometime uh, at the end of December, he looked at his account balance and he said, well, you know, this thing has done well. The the investments in it have done pretty good. Because I put the money in in yeah. November and maybe there's a couple thousand dollars realized. Maybe it's $105,000 at the end of December, he, December 31st. He's feeling pretty good about his investment, right? That's bet he is. Right? And then uh, February, March come around, mm-hmm. and he gets uh, 1099 on the dividends from the mutual fund. from the mutual fund, mm-hmm. right? That mm-hmm. show how much uh, dividends and capital gains that he got. Okay. So it's five thousand bucks, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, thereabouts. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's got to pay tax on that five thousand dollars. <laughs> what all else also happened between January and March of this year? Oh. The market went down, mm-hmm. right? And for argument's sake, let's say that he looks at his uh, end of March statement and his statement shows $90,000 is what that investment is worth. So December 31, in our example, mm-hmm. it was 105. Mm-hmm. He's feeling good. Yeah. 90 days later, it's down $20,000. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Now he's not happy. He's not happy. And he gets a 1099 in the mail. For a tax bill? For a tax bill saying, hey, you know what? Ouch. On this $5,000 distribution for capital gains and uh, and dividends, mm-hmm. you're going to owe some tax on that. So it's like a double whammy to him. It's a double. Uh, well, I, I'd say a, a double uh, punch to the gut, right? <laughs> not only are my investments down, but I still owe tax on some things that I got last year that I didn't really even receive. That I didn't got. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Because. What's a fella to do? What's a dude to do? Uh-huh. And 
do you really think most of us understand all that on the front end? That it's fully explained that, that you know, there's some disclosure there? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Probably not. Well, and, and at least probably not well enough. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if you, let's go back in time. Mm-hmm. And if we would go back to the day he wrote the $100,000 check mm-hmm. to the mutual fund company. Yep. He may have made this decision on his own and, and went online and did it on some kind of online yeah. app and maybe he didn't have an advisor mm-hmm. or talked to his CPA or you know somebody else who's done this before and he just said, hey, this, this, this thing has a good track record. It's been mm-hmm. around for 20, 30, 40, 50 years and I like what its mandate is. It says it's growth and domestic and I like that. I got this $100,000. He may have done that all on his own, right? Right. Okay. Or he may have done it with an advisor Mm -hmm. or through a bank or brokerage firm or something like that, Mm -hmm. right? But if we go back to that day and you took the time to explain to him that this was a possibility down the road and in the future. Yep. And it's going to happen sometime in his lifetime, probably. I think he needs to be uh, prepared and expect for it to happen. Okay. It could happen every year, every other year, every third year. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, life happens and the market is weird. So, number one, the types of stocks that he's investing in, underlying in this particular fund, Mm -hmm. are going to pay dividends. So, he needs to expect that, number one. Number two, uh, why are you buying an actively managed mutual fund? Mm -hmm. Because you like the manager, like their management style, they're buying and selling things. Mm -hmm. You need to expect that there are probably going to be capital gains every year Okay, on that. Because that's what you're mm-hmm. wanting. You're wanting right. those things to go up. Yeah. And you want the manager to say, hey, man, you made mm-hmm. a whole lot of money in here. Let's take a little winnings off the table and mm-hmm. go diversify and buy something else while it's down. I mean, to make all of those decisions that otherwise you'd have to do on your own. Right. It's what you're paying this manager for. Mm-hmm. And those transactions could be taxable. That's right. So if all that was explained mm-hmm. to him, in your experience, Right then, when he's so giddy, mm-hmm. he can't wait to write the $100,000 check yeah. so he can be richer. Mm-hmm. Uh, is he listening? No, not really. Mm. Yeah, not really. Because mm. you know what he's enamored with? Mm-hmm. Those average numbers. Well, I'll tell you what he's enamored with. Okay. Right? Yeah. So we talked about November of 2021, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Let's back that up 10 years. Okay. And say that Daddy Warbucks Phil over here had a twin brother, mm-hmm. and he put $100,000 in this same fund in November of 2011. Mm-hmm. All right? Yeah. So over that course of time, mm-hmm. there have been ups and downs in the market for sure. Right? But if he never sold it, and he just Never sold it, it, kept collecting the dividends, reinvesting the capital gains, all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. it, he looks at his twin brother and says... Man, you've got $215,000 in your account over a 10-year period. Boy, that fund is great. That fund is great. Yeah. I want some of that. I That's one of his reasons for buying it in the first place, because he got turned on to it by his twin brother, right? Uh-huh. uh-huh. So uh, this twin brother, right, who bought this 10 years prior, mm-hmm. has uh, seen the benefits, seen the rewards of being invested in good things over long times, mm-hmm. uh, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That twin brother has lived through some of the same events that Phil just lived through, right, over that 10-year period. I mean, they're both alive. Well, they're both alive. Right, right? so they both lived through it. And then as far as being an investor in that fund, Mm -hmm. he's lived through some of the same sequences of events. 
He's gotten dividends along the way. He's gotten capital gains along the way. He's had maybe a year or or two when the account has been down. The twin brother has. The twin brother and has. And Phil's been sitting on the sideline. That's right. Right. But the twin brother has got $115,000 more mm-hmm. at this point in time. Mm-hmm. So he he's pretty proud of himself, happy with his investment oh, selection. He brags choice, to his brother. Brags to his brother uh-huh. all the time. Uh-huh. And Phil says, you know what? I got to get some of that. Yep. I've been listening to this Mm -hmm. for 10 years. Right. Huh? Mm -hmm. Right? So I got to have some of that. Mm -hmm. And it's just his luck. Just his luck. That when he jumps Mm -hmm. in, that, you know, you kind of have the double whammy around the first of the year. Now, there are some years that happens. Is that what you told me a minute ago? Absolutely. So I want to get get back to a little tax conversation about his twin brother. Yes. Right? Yes. So as these dividends and capital gains come in on a yearly basis, you pay tax on that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then there's also something called capital appreciation in the underlying fund that you bought, right? From $10 a share up. Up. Because over time, other people have Mm -hmm. seen, ooh. Maybe the twin brother bought it at $5 a share, Uh, right? Yeah, yeah. And he's reinvested shares along the way mm-hmm. at, at $6, at $7, $8, $9, $10, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So if his twin brother decided and, and was just uh, the perfect market timer, and he said January 4th right, mm-hmm. of this year, December 31st of last year, I'm going to sell my $215,000 investment. Right. Because my brother always does the wrong thing at the wrong time, right? When, when Phil gets in, yeah, it's time I'm to get getting out. out, right? <laughs> okay. So he sells that two hundred and fifteen thousand dollar investment at the time. He bought it for a hundred thousand, so mm-hmm. he's got a hundred and fifteen thousand dollar gain mm-hmm. in that mutual fund. Okay, it's gone from five dollars to ten dollars, right. or Whatever. Right? Does he owe tax on one hundred percent of that gain? He's paid along the way. A he's little paid hasn't. along the way. Uh-huh. So maybe his gain is is not $115,000. Maybe his gain is something more like $50,000 mm-hmm. that he would pay in capital gains tax. Okay. Right? So uh-huh. just because you've got a long-term holding, mm-hmm. the way these mutual funds work, you kind of pay as you go when mm-hmm. it comes to capital gains. And we're talking about tax. accounts that are right. not retirement accounts. Not retirement it's accounts. It's just $100,000 he could have had in a CD mm-hmm. or whatever. Correct. Right? Yeah. Okay, so paying as you go is one of the characteristics also sure. of these mutual mm-hmm. funds. Now, some people are listening to us and they're like, that is too complicated. Right. There's too mm-hmm. much going on there. I really didn't understand about half of what Greg and Bubba said. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm out. I don't want any mutual funds. Yes. Right? So what, what do they do? They mm-hmm. go out and they pick five stocks that they like. Right. And you can you can pick them. It doesn't matter. Procter and Gamble, Caterpillar, Pfizer, whatever. The, right. the Microsoft, uh-huh. Apple, mm-hmm. whatever the companies are that you want to buy. Right. Over the course of time, they've had the opportunity to do the same thing. They could have been their own mutual fund manager. They could have been their own mutual fund manager. Those those uh, stocks are going to pay uh, dividends along the way. Mm-hmm. Maybe they get to a point where uh, one of them has done really well. Apple would be a good good example of that mm-hmm. over that 10-year period, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Apple has gone up considerably over that time frame, and you say, you know what? My balance in these stocks is a little out of whack. Maybe I'm going to sell a little bit of my Apple because there was a split a couple of times 
Ah, and we're going to come back yep. from the break and talk about what would happen in a situation like that from the Advisors Roundtable. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable, Certified Financial Planners, Bubba Labas, and yours truly, Greg Cooley, with you on Super Talk Radio. So, Bubba, we're talking about these mutual funds, and we're talking about the nuances of them and how they're investment companies and how they're baskets of stocks or bonds or a combination of those things and how that uh, you can buy them and you can have a capital gain and you can have uh, uh, dividends and, and all those things that can happen to you. And sometimes you have these inconvenient tax bills that come to you. And when I say inconvenient, I'm talking about inconvenient when, uh, at a time when the market's down. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're having to... You're getting a bill, a tax mm-hmm. bill, for something that happened last year. But right now, you're looking at paying tax on that, but that account mm-hmm. is at a lesser value. Right. Now, if it stayed at the same value, maybe you didn't feel so bad about paying Maybe you don't tax. feel so bad. So a lot of this is about feelings. Mm-hmm. But you said there are alternatives to doing it this way. For some reason, if, if the mutual funds mm-hmm. just absolutely freak you out or they're too complicated, you don't fully understand yeah. them... Um, you can do it on your own. Right. Like you said, you can buy a basket of five stocks or 20 if you want to, right? Whatever, yeah. But you've still got the same issues that the mutual fund gave you, right? Mm. Uh, to a degree. Mm. So uh, in this case, I talked about doing the same thing with these five stocks back 10 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm picking on Apple just because it's been a good performer over that time frame. I think it's had a stock split over that time frame. So you've got a pretty low basis in that stock, and it's now valued pretty high or higher than what it was. Mm -hmm. And you've got a choice as the individual portfolio manager of your own portfolio, right? Mm -hmm. And what are those choices? Well, I can hold on to it if I want to, or I can sell it. Okay. Right, and if I sell, if it? I sell it, I'm going to have a capital gain, just like I would in the uh, in the mutual fund. Okay. If I hold on to it, I'm going to continue to get those dividends and have to pay tax on the dividends that come in. So sometimes people respond to us when we tell mm-hmm. them, you know, you do this mutual fund thing, you do a, a couple of alternatives, and they're like, "Well, I'm okay paying the tax when I sell, mm-hmm. when I make the decision sure. to sell." But the mandate to the mutual fund manager is almost mm-hmm. like a contractual thing. And the mutual fund manager is not really doing it from point of view of emotion. Right. They're not doing it from the point of view of, well, I'm getting out of that company because I don't like what they stand for. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, these people are hired. It's a business thing. Right. And they're trying to get returns, and they're trying mm-hmm. to drive the share price up, and they're trying to have other people mm-hmm. uh, buy into their fund because yeah. you know, they charge fees. Right. Um, and so they're not necessarily motivated by the same things you're motivated by when it comes to the sell side. Exactly. And, you know, sometimes it's actually kind of like a program trade. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a computer almost does right. all this. Mm-hmm. And here you are. You don't know what the computer did. Mm-hmm. You don't know what that manager did. And if you manage them yourself, you would know, but you'd have to be making the decisions. That's right. And you'd have to be keeping up yeah. with it. And you'd have to make the decision in the first place who, what to buy. And do you have enough time mm-hmm. and enough confidence to make decisions on individual stocks? And I would say that any well-diversified stock portfolio that an individual might have would be at least 100 stocks. Yeah. And how much time do you need to spend on each stock right. on a monthly basis in order to feel good about your investment? 
Because you need to keep up with them. You do need to keep up with it. What are they doing? Mm-hmm. What are they doing against their competitors? How are mm-hmm. they handling uh, yeah. present issues and government changes and tax and, and exchange rates? And, and, I, and I think that that is the true value that money managers and, uh, and uh, mutual fund managers bring to the, the average investor. So when we started this conversation, we said that the majority of people mm-hmm. in America, I think you use the number 70, 80%. And it is probably higher than that, have owned mutual funds. All right. So you may have people back there talking back to their radio or to their headphones mm-hmm. saying, I've never owned a mutual fund. Yeah. But if they've ever had a 401k. Then, then they own a mutual fund. Because inside there, mm-hmm. most of the choices are... Cash, company, stock, or mutual funds. Yeah. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. If you've ever... You probably owned them. Yeah. And this was happening. Now, you weren't aware of it in your 401k of all this stuff we talked about for almost an hour. Why? Because you don't pay tax on that until you take withdrawals. Uh When you get your hands on the money is when you pay tax in a 401k or an IRA. Okay. In a regular account, a regular investment account, you would pay tax as you go. Mm -hmm. So I'm floating along in my 401k Mm -hmm. on these mutual funds, and I may not be aware of any of this stuff Greg and Bubba are talking about Mm -hmm. right now. In fact, you're telling me that the majority of us probably don't know. Probably don't. Mm -hmm. Unless we have done like Daddy Warbucks and we had $100,000 outside our 401k in our checking account and we did the thing with the investment of that particular fund. Sure. Now, you gave me one alternative to the Mm -hmm. mutual funds is that I I run the money myself. I Mm -hmm. make the decision on all these stocks and I investigate Mm -hmm. these stocks and I decide whether to buy or sell or keep them or whatever. Yeah. Right? What other options do I have? What are index funds and exchange-traded funds? There are other kinds of funds <laughs> than a mutual fund, right? So um, an index fund basically tracks whatever an index does. An index being the S&P 500. That's one index, right? Mm-hmm. It's 500 of the largest companies out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you buy an index fund, you're going to own a portion of each one of those 500 different companies. Gotcha. Even if it's an index fund or an exchange-traded fund, very similar, right? Mm -hmm. Say you've got an index fund or you've got an exchange-traded fund that track the S&P 500. Okay. Well, those stocks individually are still going to pay dividends, Uh right? Uh There may be a company that's kicked out of the S&P 500 based on its size and another one brought in Uh based on their size. Uh So because of that, there could be some capital gains and distributions that, that you have to be concerned about with an indexed fund. Okay. All right. So you're not necessarily getting out of this completely. Right. If you think, hey, I'm not going to do one of those mutual mm-hmm. funds. I'm just going to go buy the S&P 500. Right. Because there are changes in there. There are. Pretty off. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. once every year or two, that sort of yeah. thing. Uh, they're required mm-hmm. and mandated, those index uh, 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 sponsors, mm-hmm. uh, to... Give you the top 500. That's right. And down around That's the, the requirement of the fund. Uh-huh. That's what they told mm-hmm. you they would do. Yeah. And that 500 doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. stay static, does it? It does not. Down around number 495, mm-hmm. 496, 497 in this, on this yeah. list of 500. Some of those probably move around frequently. Yeah. Which means there's buying and selling down mm-hmm. in there. And along... With those that stay in the mm-hmm. fund, 
a lot of them pay dividends. Right. So you're not necessarily mm-hmm. getting out of all of this. Right. I think as I speak to people about these things that they start, their eyes start to glaze over Mm -hmm. almost like when we bring up mathematics. Right. Because it is pretty complicated. It is complicated. It's not, there's not a conspiracy that makes it complicated. It's just complicated by the nature of the beast. It's the mechanism in which it works and the way in which it works. That makes it seem complicated. Right. And how much I understand, it's up to me, right? Mm-hmm. Hopefully after today, the people listening think, well, that's not as complicated as what I made it out to be. <laughs> or, or what I thought it could mm-hmm. be. So is it a good idea most people own mutual funds even though they don't understand them? It, it's hard to make that qualification as, as a broad sense. Okay. But I would say it's better to have money invested for the long term, mm-hmm. to be diversified in mm-hmm. the things that you do own, and to also have other uh, types of investments, mm-hmm. whether that be cash, whether it be real estate, land, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, uh, you, you know, your home, that sort of thing. But uh, for the majority of individuals, when they think of investments, they think of investment accounts, mm-hmm. IRAs or individual accounts or joint accounts mm-hmm. that have these, these tax parameters around them. Right, right. And even if it's in your 401k and mm-hmm. you don't see it and you don't necessarily feel mm-hmm. it year to date, now you understand how it's working. That's right. And by and large, it's worked pretty well for the last hundred years. It has. Don't let it intimidate you and make you get out of something that you probably need to be involved mm-hmm. in. Ask questions. Find somebody who has, is a teacher at heart who can help you understand mm-hmm. these things. From the Advisors Roundtable on Super Talk Radio. discussion and content expressed by the host of the Advisors Roundtable are intended to be received as news, educational, and entertainment or unit items and are not to be accepted by the listener as legal, investment, insurance, or tax advice. Opinions and views will be expressed by guests of the Advisors Roundtable and those opinions and views are those of the guests alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Advisors Roundtable host or any of its affiliated radio stations. All information provided is educational in nature and is not intended to be acted upon without first consulting the appropriately licensed professional of your choosing. Before acting upon any information obtained during an Advisors Roundtable broadcast, an individual should understand matters are extremely tax-specific and require advice tailored to individual facts and needs. Certified financial planners Greg Cooley and Andrew Labus are registered representatives of S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated. Securities offered through S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Ignite Planners, LLC. Ignite Planners, LLC is not affiliated with S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated.